0: Best, best, the best ones aren't as good as you probably think they are. What is
1: best in life? I did the best I could. Doing my best. 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 Best.
2: Best. For more than a year, ominous rumors had been privately circulating among high-level Western leaders that the Soviet Union had been at work on what was darkly hinted to be the ultimate weapon a doomsday device. Intelligence sources traced the site of the top secret Russian project to the perpetually fog-shrouded wasteland below the Arctic peaks of the Zokov Islands. What they were building or why it should be located in such a remote and desolate place, no one could say. Hello, hello, hello. Aww. And welcome to Best of the Best podcast with myself, Connor Keyes, alongside me as always, Mr. Ronald Mullen. Hello. Hello. Nighttime caller. Very nice. <laughs> uh, bring, the, bring that background music in to make it
1: soft. Looks <laughs> <up. laughs> ladies out
2: there. <laughs> Yes, we are here today uh, with Dr. Strangelove or. How I
3: learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Exactly, but we'll just say Doctor Strange Love.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not going
1: to
3: go full title on this one.
2: It's actually Doctor Strange Love or colon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right.
3: And that's all <laughs> very strange. That's all Kubrick. Yeah.
2: All Kubrick. Uh, so yes, the mighty Stanley Kubrick uh, directed this in 1964,
3: I think. 63,
2: released in 64. 64. And uh, yeah, the the one and only Mister Peter Sellers.
3: Yeah. Who uh, he just worked with on the Lolita. Two years before, and that's when he met him.
2: And the, uh, I mean, Sellers probably will appear again on one of these episodes. Yeah. But uh, in this one, I think it's probably one of the most, it's up there with Pink Panther in regards to uh, iconic status. Uh, Maybe even more. uh,
3: Well, I think a lot of America found out about him with this. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of American audiences, because it made a quite bit of money for 1964 uh, Nine million dollars, I think it was
2: right, which is massive, obviously. At that yeah. Time, yeah, so
3: um, but Sellers wasn't quite, I don't believe, the superstar he was that we know of now, but he definitely after this it was inevitable. That,
2: yeah. Uh, so he plays three characters, yeah, within this. Um, was he, originally scheduled to play four, yeah, right? yeah.
3: He was meant to play Major King Kong, yes, <laughs> which went to Slim Pickens, and he did it in quite a nefarious way. He played his three characters, which is a British agent the president and the Dr. Strangelove in the title. Uh-huh. And then he was asked to play the Texan airplane runner who who handles the B-52, which has the bomb. And he said, I can't do a Texas accent. So like, Kubrick just kept saying, but sure, we'll get, we'll get there when we get there, because yeah. it was the bit that was going to be filmed after the main filming was done. So Sellers, like the week before, broke his ankle yeah. <laughs> and uh, Kubrick Thought it was very suspicious, mm. uh, which everybody still does. And Sellers to this day, every time we or every time anybody mentioned him pre his death, he was always laughing because <laughs> he deliberately broke his ankle so he didn't have to play a guy.
2: So this, is, yes, because that 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 character needed to be in a, a very small cockpit of, yeah. of a plane, and uh, they built a set to replicate. The yeah, B-32s. there was something weird about that, wasn't there?
3: There, they um, the 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 replica was based off a picture that was in Time magazine or Life magazine in America. Yeah. And yeah, they this, weren't allowed in the studio to... No, you weren't because, allowed to see a yeah, B-52 bomber, bomber, yeah. yeah. And the, the, the set designer, Ken Adams, actually replicated it from a picture in a magazine. Mm-hmm. And when they brought like two guys onto the Shepperton Studios set in England to, to see the actual cockpit of this B-52 bomber, which nobody has seen, apart from people who've flown it, mm-hmm. they said it was so accurate that they had to have stolen... Yeah, Kubrick said something he, from, And he, he thought there was going to be some legal handlings. He didn't
2: think they were uh, ascertained legally, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so they had it bang on.
3: They uh, had it bang on from a picture, which is incredible because yeah. it's a black and white
2: photo. Yeah, well, it's a black and white photo, so that leads us on to the next part of this, a black and white film as well. It's black and white film. Um, so uh, is it Kubrick's only black and white? I no, 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 He. this is what? his 10th film. Yeah, what's his, What's his, What's the other black and white ones you've done?
3: Uh, well, there's well, the killings there. black and white. Oh yes, the um, and there's latest black and white. Yeah, and um, before that, Killer's Kiss, Seafarers, Fear and Desire, Flying Padre, and Daylight.
2: Ah, okay. This is 10th film. Like That's what I'm saying. This is well into... When I when it was, first seen this... But he was very
3: prolific in the early stages.
2: Like 10 it, films. It was, yeah, it was. Was he even going 10 years at that stage? He wouldn't uh, have
3: been. No, he was. He'd been going since 51. 51? Since 51. He actually... Right. We hear this for a run? From 56. His most well-known film yeah. before this was Spartacus. Uh-huh. But the film that sort of set him off, they say, was The Killing. So that's The Killing, Path of Glory, Spartacus, Lolita, and then this... 2001, Space Odyssey, Clockwork Orange, Barry Lyndon, The Shining, Full Metal Jacket, Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> now, is... the gap started to increase between films from year on in. Four years, five years. Infirmously so. Like I got, yeah. yeah. Like between The Shining, Full Metal Jacket is seven years. Between The Full Metal Jacket and Eyes Wide Shut is 12 years.
2: And it was a long time. I don't think it was 12. It 12 was years. And it's, But uh, Malik did the same. Terms Malik sort of did that yeah. thing. There was always them gaps. So there seemed to be the more... Auteurs, the, the more genius of them, they sort of do take that time and that gap. Yeah,
3: he, you know, he got nominated for a director, Razzie for the Shining. Did not, <laughs> <do> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> for the, the Shining get, for the Shining or Razzie? Oh but he is he was notorious for being meticulous pre filming, being meticulous during film, yeah. and after. So his editing and the sound engineering. But he, I think it's, I had it written down here, the the take of Slim Pickens mm-hmm. riding the atomic bomb was over 100 takes. Slim Pickens was supposed to play Scatman Crullers' role in The Shining, mm-hmm. and he put it in his contract that he would only do it if Stanley Kubrick reduced the number of takes, guaranteed him it would be less than 100 takes for certain scenes, <laughs> and he couldn't guarantee him it, so he didn't play it. Okay. So Scatman Crullers came on, and then Scatman Crullers had a nervous breakdown. Yeah, as nice you would, because you would a 100 takes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: uh, and the 100 takes, obviously, then, uh, I mean, he probably use number three, uh. yeah, like, like Rick yeah. like job.
3: He's number three.
2: Uh so then you have alongside uh Peter Sellers. Mm-hmm. Uh you have George C. Scott. You have George C Along with Slim Pickens.
3: George C. Scott, um in this film, George C. Scott was sort of hoodwinked. I, I love the story. I Kubrick love Kubrick System. <laughs> we do practice takes for every take of yours, yeah. and he goes, Rhino Bar. And then, I don't know why he has Ronan Boyd's act. But <laughs> he goes, right. So he did like a over-the-top exuberant take. Yeah. And then he did his take. For Kubrick he used the first take mm-hmm. for every moment in the film. And George C. Scott was a wee bit fucked it off. Was,
2: it. I was just going to say, Scott was not happy with that.
3: No, but you wouldn't be. But then George C. Scott's a fucking legend. Yeah. The first man turned down an Oscar. Remember that? For Patton? That's right. He, he says it's, it, there's no way of rationalizing dramatic roles is who's better who's worse everything's individual so i won't be accepting it maybe good man Fair <laughs> some people say he just hated the oscar <laughs> probably good man scotty uh so yes and
2: and uh i mean that that we should sort of uh from the outset make sure that people are aware if you haven't watched it before um obviously stop this podcast and go and listen yeah because you watch.
3: No, no no you might enjoy this podcast but you won't enjoy it as much if you watch it and you're sort of playing along with us. Yeah. We could sit and describe it to you, but no, not the same. No, uh,
2: but just to give it a, its standing, um, it, it's up there with Life of Brian when it comes to yeah. being seen as one of the greatest comedies uh, ever made. Very dark, black comedy uh, because very, you're dealing with obviously well nuclear bombs. It's and
3: nuclear warfare. But let's sort of go back to the start of it. It's this is based off of, of a thriller. Called Red Alert. That's right, Red Alert. Yeah. So Peter George wrote this this thriller, a very popular thriller called Red Alert, and Kubrick loved it, uh-huh. and he optioned the book to make a dramatic thriller. And as he was writing the script, he found that he kept dropping in like sort of satirical angles to every scene. Mm-hmm. Now it's pretty accurate to the book. Now certain things are nearly bang on, but the decision to change it into this satire of modern warfare and the fear of the red menace and communism and all this. Mm-hmm. Um, made Peter George leave. He he wasn't happy with how it was going. Uh-huh. So his name's still on the, the yeah, film and there all there, this there. there. So Terry Southern, who is a very witty chap, came on with Kubrick, and him and Kubrick would write the film as they were going to the studio to film. Oh, Jesus. So they were changing the lines in the morning on the way to the car journey up to, and Terry Southern is in the process of writing the film, and they get word back from the studio that a film called Failsafe is using the same premise, and it's a, it's going to be a drama through mm-hmm. So, the film on failsafe. Kirby heard all about it, and it was coming out the same year. It was being made by Sydney May, and Henry Fonda was going to be in it. So they sent legal documents and got it stopped. So then Columbia bought the rights to it, who were making this, and stalled it for eight months. So Strange Strangelove could come out first, and, and they then wouldn't get, and then that would come out eight months later.
1: Dirty, dirty
3: moves there. Right? But they, they, this Terry Southern boy, he wrote. His books were given to Kubrick by Peter Sellers on the set of Lolita. Right. So it was all linked together. Mm-hmm. He was called by Gore Vidal, the most profoundly witty writer of our generation, and he's in the fucking cover of Sergeant Pepper. It's not. He's one of the lads in the cover.
2: Jesus.
3: So we've got Terry Southern.
2: We're coming full circle. We've
3: got it all. He was meant to actually write a sequel to *Strange Love*. Right. It's called The Son of Love <laughs> and Terry Gilliam was going to direct it. Oh, then, wow. then he died. That would be Kubrick wanted Terry Gilliam to direct this that sequel. Be unreal. I don't know. Imagine <laughs> that. The thought of it's class.
2: Uh, so yes, we're into the, the like we said, nuclear warfare, and you're 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 into the satire and all the rest. But the premise of the film, yes. So the 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 sort of synopsis of it is we have a, will we say a rogue. Uh, general or rogue could call him that. Yeah, somebody that basically has he, decided to.
3: He he decides <laughs> attack the on, Soviets <laughs> on his own back because of a theory about uh, water fluoride in the water. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, it's, it's thankfully that has all <laughs> cl- been cleared up and uh, doesn't
2: be talked about anymore. With fluoride in the water does <laughs> doesn't it? be talked about. <laughs> no conspiracy theories or anything along to link to that.
3: No. <laughs> He he he's called Jack Ripper, and he decides Jack D Ripper. Jack D Ripper, which we'll get to in a minute because I have there's a theory about that as well. <laughs> he decides to send out the code to the B fifty two holding the hydrogen bomb mm-hmm. to go to our enemy and drop the bomb. Now, what proceeds? Um, what we find out after is during that time. There was no safeguard between a boy going rogue and sending the boy off of the ball yeah. and anybody finding out about it or trying to stop it, <laughs> yeah. which is fucking mental. It was
2: very scary, actually, when you think of it, yeah.
3: Yeah, I think now there's like nine steps before you can get to... There's a lot of, yeah, there's like a lot of... Like, there's a crazy yeah. amount of safeguards in between. They probably only fixed it after this film More likely, actually. Point really don't. <laughs> oh, right, no, you is that it? the thing? Is that the thing? <laughs> you know that Reagan thought there was actually a war room? No, when he went to the office, no. he asked the Chiefs, can you take me to the war room? And they were like, no, no, Stanley Kubrick made that up. <laughs> Does anybody call me where the war room is? <laughs> oh, Reagan. So, it, I mean, this was, you mentioned
2: it there earlier, uh, it was shot in England. It was shot in, in Shepperton Studios. Yeah. And uh, the war room was built within that. And, yeah. And uh, again, Kubrick being Kubrick, nothing was fucking done easy. So he built the war room. Um, a stage over to the set. But then one of the sort of more iconic scenes of it are the shots in regards mm-hmm. to cinematography is the sort of overhead shot yeah. of all these warden players sitting around the table yeah, and uh, the ring of lights around them. And the big board. And the big board, which again, but I mean, the ring of lights has a story behind it because Kubrick had worked and worked and worked trying to make sure, you know, all these different lights that they all fit it where they needed to fit yeah. to light the way they needed
3: to light. Even though it was black and white. Yeah. He found that when he shot it in black and white some of the colours were brighter than others uh-huh. so he would spend days making sure every bulb was yeah, of the was same the brightness. Same.
2: And the, the table they sat at mm-hmm. was green felt. Yes, yeah, so it would come up to make it look yeah. like a poker game. Yeah. Which again, this, the satire of it, the, yeah. these guys around oh, the, he the table. He but knew do was that. He also said somewhere online that that was to <coughs> subliminally let them feel like they were in a poker game. Mm-hmm. No, obviously, yeah, yeah. stakes are a bit higher in this. Are we a
3: higher? There's a great uh, Robert Ebert um, quote about that, and he said about the film, "It's masterfully sharp, accurately sobering comedy that unreservedly pins the blame for the nuclear race madness and Cold War paranoia squarely on humans, misguided individuals fiddling with the power to eradicate all life on Earth. Like as you say, they were playing the game.
2: Yeah, and and th- that is the, the sort of uh, a very key thing is that there's a lot of paranoia, yeah. a lot of. Kubrick said Confusion, that in that was- hysteria and they didn't know you know the reactions could go either way and Aye. you've got you've as you say a rogue one person doing this one person well we will we'll play the clip of of uh our sterling hayden having a
3: wee chat with uh
2: yeah so one of the can uh the characters is mandrake mm-hmm. who peter sellers plays the english sort of uh, aloof kind of raf <laughs> a kind bit, of guy yeah. he's about just
3: he's his, dis- he's his executive but you sort of get the impression they don't talk a lot. Yeah, like <laughs> and he never has him
2: around. No. Um but he's. This is him explaining to uh, to Mandrake mm-hmm. uh, what has went on and his reason,
4: maybe. Yeah. Total commitment. Mandrake, do you recall what Clemenceau once said about war? Uh,
0: no, I didn't think I knew it was that. Yeah. No.
4: He said war was too important to be left to the generals. When he said that, 50 years ago, he might have been right. But today, war is too important to be left to politicians. They have neither the time, the training, nor the inclination for strategic thought. I can no longer sit back and allow communist infiltration, communist indoctrination, communist subversion, and the international communist conspiracy to sap and impurify all of our precious bodily fluids.
3: (laughs) That's, this is where, yeah, he thought the fluoridation of water, Was a communist plot (laughs) from 1946, which is when they started doing it, which is coincidentally after the Second World War, Uh to drain humans so that the Russian armies can just march over the world (laughs) while everybody's (laughs) fucked on poisons (laughs) for it. So then he sends a bomb.
0: There's
2: uh, even that communist speech there. It's quite relevant in 2020 as well. You've you heard could a few people up.
3: this last fucking few months talking about shit shutting up. Uh, the, the more I watched uh, last week, the more I was going, Jesus, I've heard that sort of lingo. <laughs> yeah, quite a few times over the yeah. last few weeks. Uh, months. And
2: to think this is 1964. That should have been uh, lingo that's long gone. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it shows you that that uh, the power of that at the time. At that time was huge oh yeah it's starting to creep a wee bit back in this sort of nationalism and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. that's coming in at the moment but you would have thought that that should have been the nail in the coffin <laughs> you know when, once they took the piss out of it like that yeah. it should have been it over but it wasn't I mean. no
3: no it, it, it only sort of enhanced it freely i suppose yeah uh we've so you've
2: got then the uh the second character of uh uh peter sellers is president of the united states
3: the president who is <laughs> is american Merkin
2: muffley Merkin muffley like
3: they're even playing down these fuckers on their names never yeah. mind how insane they are
2: so am i right in saying a Merkin in america was the uh, is a nickname for a wig yeah and that was the he's completely bald he's, completely bald. <laughs> he's called Merkin, and then muffley must be something to do some I read it's it's also some sort of slang term to do with hair. Or is something. it? Yeah. Some there's some random just things. Just denigrating the man. <laughs> yeah. Whoever bald, this is based on. Completely bald. Yeah. Uh, so yes, he's he's kind of the bit of sense maybe.
3: He he it, is actually the one that the, yeah. has that talks more sense for a long period of time. It is until the end when everybody's sort of nonsensical yeah. that I think he's just following the crowd. But the entire time he is trying to talk sense to George C. Scott's military general mm-hmm. and he's trying to get this sorted and he's trying to placate the Russians in every way possible <laughs> yeah. even when they're trying to take pictures of the big board and <laughs> everybody else is just going awry but yeah he he probably along with the his character the British agent uh-huh. is the, the two that are trying to make more sense out of this because don't forget the t- nearly the entirety of the time that Sterling Hayden and Peter Sellers are, are together yeah the American army are trying to kill them, yeah. <laughs> to get in, to get them, yeah. to give them a code to stop I this Actually, bomb.
2: when you watch that scene, so uh, Mandrake and, and uh, Ripper are, mm. are sort of locked up in a room and he's shooting like, fuck. out no, the, <laughs> fuck Mandrake's laying the sofa <laughs> head first and crying. crying. Um, but I, I did watch, when I watched it recently, it was it just sort of reminded me a wee bit about Fall Metal Jacket. Yeah. You know, those outdoor shooting mm-hmm. uh, scenes that he had done, yeah. you could definitely see it laid the ground for what was to come mm-hmm. later on. Uh the the sort of the the as you say, the the president's always trying to sort of be the, 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 the sense in the middle of all this because ultimately yeah the end result could be world annihilation. Yes. But he has, as you say he has to deal with the Soviets. <laughs> he has to deal with the, <laughs> the, the Russians and
3: uh It's just George C. E. Scott's reaction to every time somebody mentions Russia, <laughs> he just gets more and more worked up. <laughs> and it's hard to it's hard to imagine that those were his hyper takes and he thought they weren't good yeah i know it just know. suits so well yeah and and i think that's
2: again we always have to give credit to kubrick for that because he knew what he was doing mm-hmm. um uh whereas if he had let it left it to the actor it wouldn't have it wouldn't have happened
3: no if it was pure straight uh, yeah. anger and you know aggression and drama it would have been okay but it wouldn't have been as hilarious and on the money as yeah, Can just you, so so out of whack for that yeah, time. Yeah, this is the other thing
2: we've said this before on this podcast in regards to especially older films. You really have to give it the context mm-hmm. of the time mm-hmm. and what was going on, and I mean, it's almost McCarthy level mm-hmm. of, of paranoia in regards to especially the, uh, George C. Scott's character is. Yeah. In a right way, I think it was McCarthy because everybody was could, a commie. Could, yeah. everybody was somebody that was going to be an enemy.
3: Could very well be.
2: And you've got then the that ability to to sort of use things that we take for granted now. Mm-hmm. The idea, like you say, a war room. Yeah. But taking pictures of the board was taking such pictures. a you know to us now it's it's not it's such a normal thing because obviously you wouldn't show your enemies that you know. No. And of when they say a picture of the board, it's basically a big map.
3: It's a strategic map of where yeah. all their planes are monitored and where they're going to fly where they are at the quite present time so it would be in russia's best interest to it's know off, where yeah. they are
2: <laughs> uh so yes yeah, so you've got this on so we have then uh, we have a clip here of uh of the president trying to speak to
3: basically the russian ambassador has landed in the war room much to the chagrin of george c scott because he can't believe we're going to let one of the enemy into the war room <laughs> but um and he infamously points at the board and goes the big board! <laughs> the big board, <laughs> <laughs> um, And the, the, the Russian ambassador does himself no favours by going and demanding his food and cigars. Yeah. and He's a bit of a twit. So he's being asked, can you please get Dmitry on the phone because they can't get the Russian president. And they want to speak to Dmitry and inform him of what's going on, but tell him everything is in order. We'll stop it. But the Russian president is drunk. And... He gets him on the phone, and this is what happens.
0: Hello? Uh, hello, Di- hello, Dimitri. Listen, I-, I can't hear too well. Do you suppose you could turn the music down just a little? <laughs> oh, oh, that's much better. <laughs> yes. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good. Then... Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine, and and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. (laughs) Now then, Dimitri, you know how we've always talked about the possibility of something going wrong with the bomb. The bomb, Dimitri. The hydrogen bomb. Well, now, what happened is um, one of our base commanders, he had a sort of, well, he went a little funny in the head. You know, just a little funny. And uh, he went and did a silly thing. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what he did. He ordered his planes to attack your country. Well, let me finish, Dimitri.
3: (laughs) See how straight he's playing Let me
0: finish, Dimitri. Well, listen, how do you think I feel about it? Can you imagine how I feel about it, Dimitri? Why do you think I'm calling you? Just to say hello? Of course I like to speak (laughs) to you. Of course I like to say hello. Not now, but any time, Dimitri. I'm just calling up to tell you something terrible has happened. It's a friendly call. Of course it's a friendly call. Listen, if it wasn't friendly, you probably wouldn't have even got it.
3: It's like um telling like somebody you've knocked down their fence or we have knocked down your it's just so. The worst thing is you've had those conversations yeah, with drunk absolutely. people. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> of course I'm, I love you. I'm full listening to music, full hulk in the house. <laughs> somebody rings them and tells them that they're going to drop a bomb in the country by mistake. Um, I, I I don't know this
2: just came to my head when I was watching him because he does it so well you always wonder was there somebody on the other end of the phone
3: no there so wasn't is, and I'll no, ask no, him there, there, there so no.
2: good you'd think there is somebody talking there's, to them there's
3: a documentary I got the Blu-ray and the Criterion Blu-ray and mm-hmm. there's a documentary and they say he he that's him improvising most mm-hmm. of his lines are
2: improvised totally I did see that so a lot of improvisation from sellers and then retroscripting. Happen, yeah. so they went back and added they rewrote to the, the they rewrote the, it the as his screenplay yeah said yeah um i, I think it that was kubrick being sneaky fucker getting the fucking writing credits <laughs> he did actually <laughs> yeah. there's only three writers credited <laughs> to this and none of them are peter sellers oh. um and then you have and then kubrick as well was involved in the editing but he's not credited and i've seen that as no well. he
3: does that in a lot of his films you know he never went to film school is that right he has no film training at all he was a photographer and then he decided he liked making, he made a few documentaries and then he made a few of the, the earlier films I spoke about. And he just just found his way. I hate consigue. Which is mental. Uh. <laughs> Fucking mental.
2: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you've got this. And I mean, the war rumors we talked about, I mean, one of the, obviously the most famous lines in it, gentlemen.
3: In <laughs>
2: fighting in the war room. Fighting uh, in the war room. Two boys
3: are fighting because <laughs> George c Scott again has found that the Russian ambassador's been taking pictures of the big board. <laughs> Two boys are fighting.
2: <laughs> There's no fighting in the war room. Which has been uh it I mean, that line in itself, it has stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. I mean it just hit every Market needed to make um yeah. in regards to the satire. There's no fighting in the war. Room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's
3: just that's just so perfect. Um, I remember being like a top the top lines in film. It being one of the top ten. It's, and yeah, it's uh, up there. It's uh,
2: always used as one of the biggest quotes. Yeah. Uh, it was used as the first twenty five films. Did you see that somewhere? Um, it was basically the Americans uh decided that they were going to to archive yes certain films. So they picked 25 films that if, that if the world ended and uh, another race came along and they could find these 25 films and they would represent the uh, the world as uh, what they would want to be. That was one of the ones in the 25.
3: I hope Ernest Saves Christmas is I also... Think it's, I think
2: it just got in... Or Ernest, Ernest Goes to Jail. Either one. W- yeah, either
3: I don't really care. Yeah.
2: Just for the posterity of it.
3: Just not Ernest Goes to Africa? That was weird. <laughs> 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 Fox, you did in Africa? <laughs> Why?
2: Who did you? Why did you get go there? I think we have a bonus episode. <laughs> up. Uh, so I mean, yeah, uh, th- that's the level of critical acclaim that it had in uh, in the sense that it was seen as so seminal that it uh, it to, it will represent yeah uh, in a in a I don't know what the other twenty four were, but in the selection of twenty five films that was had to be in there, which sort of again. Kind of like Life of Brian, which which I keep referencing that, but it always comes up as being like the best comedy of all time. Yeah. Dr. Strangelove is always in the top five. Mm-hmm. Nothing has taken it out of there. Uh, and I mean, it's one of those one It's so smart.
3: It is. It really is.
2: Really smart. And I had mentioned you earlier on it. It's kind of it's a slow burner. Mm-hmm. You know, you forget when you haven't watched it in a while. You forget. First of all, you forget that it's a comedy. Yeah. Because some of the some of acting is done so seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you sort of forget. George C. Scott's the only one that's proper hamming up, apart from we, we'll get to Strange Love, but, yeah. you know, we're only one properly hamming it up. The rest, well, you kind of good.
3: Could- from the audio, you just heard the entire time it's cutting back to George C. Scott and his facial expressions yeah. are hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Just as hilarious as the speech that Peter Chalmers is going through, but he, he does that the entirety of the film. Yeah. His reactions just get more. He gets excited about the thought of the V-52 actually succeeding in its mission, and they've just found out oh, yeah, there's a doomsday to, bomb yeah, in he Russia. Wants to, he wants to kill as many crouts, as yeah. he calls them, he kill them as possible. Like he has a folder, a binder in front of him, something about mega deaths. <laughs> he has a folder about that. And he and, and he's happy enough with 10 or 20 million people dying, <laughs> yeah. and in America, if, if there's any sort of residual blowback from the bomb.
2: So you've got then... at. It's sort of... Uh, you more or less have three locations, really. You've mm. got the war room. You've got uh, Mandrake and, and Ripper. Yeah. And then you have the guys on the planes.
3: You know that's James Ever Jones's first Jones. role? Is it the first role? First
2: film role? Uh, I did not know it was his first one. He only right? speaks a few times.
3: It's not major, but... It's, it's not major, but it it's first it's, role. Yeah,
2: it's, again, the voice. Oh, you, you get know, him straight away. Right away, you can hear it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, so... On the planes, then, is Slim Pickens. You put James Earl Jones and that stuff. So, they think they're ready, heading they towards that, yeah. attack. They think that Russia has order. advanced,
3: and they, they 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 have no more information than what came through on a code machine. Yeah. Um, and they read the code in the book, and it's to attack. Yeah.
2: So OPE was the OPE <laughs> was the code, but you
3: know that machine is called yes. the CRM one one four. Yes, Kubik uses those. Three letters and three numbers in uh-huh. a few of his other films. Oh, right, okay. But it's also used in Back to the Future. It is. When Marty's turning up the guitar amp at the Star-iverse, or What? That's the CRM114, isn't it? It's on the amp? Yeah, it's on a few oh. films, but that's the most famous one of the ones that sort of homage. Love it. Love it when we find we nuggets again. I, I love them wee fucking dirty nuggets. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So Slim Pickens plays uh, Major Kong. (laughs) Slim
3: Pickens, (laughs) Slim Pickens, let's just stop for a second. Slim Pickens is called Slim Pickens because he was a rodeo rider and his dad did not like the thought of his son. He was Texan, obviously, but he he didn't like the thought of his son being a rodeo rider because there's not much to do, there's not much of a career. Mm -hmm. So he said to him before he went out, unknown to his dad that he was going to be a rodeo rider, he says, well, if you're any good in it, there must be some slim Pickens in the competition. So when he landed up to the to uh-huh. sign in, he said, what's your name? He said, slim Pickens." That also went against him when he went to the war because they said to him, what's your speciality? And he said, rodeo. And they went, all right, and wrote down radio. <laughs> for, the in- <laughs> for the entirety of the Second World War, his involvement was sitting in a fucking shack trying to communicate. <laughs> and he had no idea what he was doing. He also has not a, a bucking horse inside, not a single horse. <laughs> so he also has a brother in showbiz, right? Do you want to try to guess what his name? Is? <laughs> <laughs> Easy Pickens. <laughs> his fucking brother oh, is called Easy Pickens. Mighty. Not even Slim <laughs> Pickens' real name. His brother's Easy Pickens. Oh, that's oh just, that just makes him even
2: fucking better than he already was. But
3: he, I I genuinely, in a film that Peter Sellers completely owns, mm. and I mean completely owns, and there's some standout performances, there's no way I can imagine anyone but Slim Pickens playing this part.
2: No, absolutely not. So here we have a thing of where they get a a, a survival kit. Yes, because and
3: these boys are heading to certain doom. Like.
2: Mm-hmm, and uh,
3: so he goes through the,
2: the list of what he has.
0: Survival kit contents check. In them you'll find 145 caliber automatic, two boxes of ammunition, four days concentrated emergency rations, one drug issue containing antibiotics, morphine, vitamin pills, pep pills, sleeping pills. Tranquilizer pills, one miniature combination Russian phrase book and Bible, one hundred dollars in rubles, one hundred dollars in gold, nine packs of chewing gum, one issue of prophylactics, three lipsticks, three pair of nylon stockings. Shoot, a fella like could have a pretty good weekend in Vegas with all that stuff.
3: <laughs> right. So, do you notice there that he? They, doesn't say Vegas. He doesn't say Vegas. hmm He says Dallas.
2: Yes. That'll lead us on nicely then to which is something very weird about it is the actual original release date. Yeah. Was the assassination of JFK?
3: No. It was end of sixty three. The original uh preview for critics. Preview, sorry, that's what it was. was, was. The day, on the day of yeah. the day of the assassination.
2: And so then obviously people weren't ready for this, so they delayed yeah um, until i think it was early sixty four yeah um, and then but that delay is, was sort of uh uh'cause there was so many well apart from the fact that they thought America wasn't gonna be ready for it and they weren't in the mood for yeah. it i suppose but also that there was too many sort of Close we nods. Yeah. <laughs> that could have, and this one was being one yeah. of them.
3: Yeah. Is your government capable? Is your government ready? Is your government looking after your own interests? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things were spiralling. Uh, a lot of themes. A lot, a lot of, themes. of themes. Was the conspiracy theory born out of this? The the na- the, ner- the notion of it? Born out of the JFK? I, I'm not too sure, actually. Um, it's certainly, sp- in my lifetime, I've only ever known the phrase the jfk conspiracy theory oh, sorry and, uh, you know, oh yeah
2: the cia made up yeah they, yeah. they came out in, in the 80s i think and said that yeah we made up the, the, the term conspiracy theory yeah um to stop those who didn't believe the warren commission yeah so fucking turns big. out conspiracy theory is actually real. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's not just, real, but us confirming it means. <laughs> but we, but we made up that phrase so we could uh, slag people off. The, um, but the, yeah, but the, he was going to say Dallas, he that. Was, he was, it's, it's and he he was, you can still see him warden Dallas. Yeah, he's his mouth. There's some random weird thing I seen. It's
3: still available somewhere. Yeah, there is a cut. There
2: there's, was a cut. There's released. one version. Something, something to do with like French, French subtitled yes.
3: English audio or something. And, and it has the original ending. The original ending right, had yeah. a pie fight scene. That's that they right. cut out because it was a bit too laffy laughy. laughy. Yeah. also because of the phrase gentlemen the, the president gets hit in the face with the pie from the russian ambassador <laughs> and it says gentlemen our gallant young president has been struck down in his prime yes, that was the other that one. probably wouldn't have been wasn't
2: a great phrase to use when the whole uh of america was mourning the loss of jfk yeah probably yeah. not astute so you can understand their decisions but they're a bit freaky i mean we, if it had yeah. been if it had went out on that day, you know the preview was on the day, and so mm-hmm. the, the week after was going to be a release. I uh, think conspiracy Theory* would have been through the roof.
3: Would have been through the roof, and the film would have bombed in a toll, and we'd yeah.
2: never heard of Kubrick again. Yeah, that's it. More than likely. If you think of the the, the output after that, we wouldn't have had it. So, no. uh, so yeah, it was a it was a strange time. Very strange time. So they they uh, we're going to get on to then uh, the, the sort of the, the plot's moving along. We have the. The, the Slim Pickens and the boys are on the flights and the planes. They still believe that they're going to attack. Yep. There's a lot of panic in the war room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mandrake and Ripper are... Uh, Mandrake does believe he's going to be able to talk Ripper around. To he give does. Him, to give them the code. Yeah. Because they need to break this code to be able to send a message to them. So, mm-hmm. thankfully, um, Mandrake does believe that Ripper is going to talk to him. He goes to the toilet. Yeah.
3: To calm down. He's, <laughs> he's calm going down. to freshen up. Yeah. And then he puts a bolt in his fucking head. <laughs> yeah, so nobody is getting <laughs> no. the code. <laughs> so no. now it's ends up
2: to Mandrake then trying to figure this out. And it obviously turned out to be OPE. Um, but a play on Peace on Earth and some other, you know, he was trying to work out the code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, purity uh, again, of or something. That's or something. right. Pu- purity of essence. Essence, that's, that's it. it was, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, just the... I remember watching it the first time. I was not expecting that gunshot and that <laughs> thud of a Because bu- he's
3: know. so set in his ways the whole entirety of the just He'd it'd
2: been, it'd been kind of fucking uh, Arnie Schwarzenegger-style fucking machine gun shooting. He was shooting standing
3: in the front of the window <laughs> while bullets were flying past him yeah. and shouting out, good shooting, boys, and then coming back. Like he had no fear. So yeah. for him to a, finally realize that they want what's in his head, yeah, which is a code.
2: Yeah. And it was such a shock. I mean, obviously, it must have been massive in '64, mm-hmm. uh, but it was shocking for us to, you know, when you're watching the first time, because you do think this is one of those sort of films. Oh, here we go, Mandrake's going to be the hero, and he's going to, you know, talk right next thing. Boom, and you're like, oh, holy fuck! He's yeah,
3: dead. <laughs> we hadn't been taught Kubrick ways yet. No,
2: and uh, and uh, again, I suppose the timing of it. If it was, if it was, if that film was made in 2020, we'd probably see the suicide shot yeah we'll probably see him inside the bathroom yeah, blah, I, blah. yeah you know he he did it with full metal jacket mm-hmm. you you might have seen that sort of thing but this time it was just door closed and the noise yeah that's, that's all you needed uh one big complaint i had about the film go on and it really uh, especially when you re-watch it i i can't understand how kubrick let it happen hmm. was the audio mm-hmm. so for some if you listen it and watch it i mean whenever it does the overhead aerial shot Mm -hmm. of the war room they play the audio from that but it's like it's like the dialogue is a microphone up on the roof okay and then when it cuts to the characters up close the audio is obviously as the way it should be so there's that sort of disparity in the audio and I just couldn't when I was watching it again I was like why did he... <laughs> That's the problem with Kubrick. You're going, how did he let that happen? Because Aye,
3: but there's something deliberate there because even when...
2: Is that to show the vastness of the war room so. or something? I but think
3: it is because even when it shows uh, Strangelove's introduction, who we'll talk about in a minute, he, he it cuts to George C. Scott talking about him and yeah. you can't hear what he's saying. So I think what it's implying is we shouldn't focus on what these idiots are talking about no matter how much common sense is coming out of their mouth because yeah. all Scott is saying is stuff like, you know what was his original Kraut name? You know, because <laughs> yeah. his name couldn't be Strangelove. Like. <laughs> oh, and it keeps going. And he's, he's in the middle of like an important part of dialogue that you probably should be hearing to get yeah. what they're trying to... But then he ends up getting his way in the end. Anyway, so.
2: <laughs> well, then we'll nicely move on then to the the, the titular character, mm-hmm. Dr. Strangelove himself. I think, I
3: think he only appeared a bit end into the film.
2: It's very, very... Yeah, and I, I mean, it's uh, I don't know... I, don't know what the overall total is for his screen time, but I think it might be seven or eight minutes. It's not uh, an he gets, awful long he gets two time. two scenes. But what? What? I f- f- fucking!
3: I, the this, minute he rolls on, literally, he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. Now, let's describe this person first. He's got the zany, like, hit by electric hair. Yeah. He's got dark rim glasses, sort of a, man, a maniacal grin, and he's dressed all in black in a black wheelchair. He has one black glove on his right hand, <laughs> which for some reason works autonomously from him. He has no control. Oh, what's the name they give it? Um, alien something? Have an, he is an alien controlled hand or something? Or there's something that's... Which seems to be, still believe he's a Nazi. Has his own life. Yeah. And this is one of... He's based on... You'll know about this guy. Werner Von Braun. Yes. Who's part yes, of Operation yes. Paperclip. Yeah. He was the guy involved in Apollo 11 and... yeah other bad things back in... And the that's what I love about this, is that they, they, they weren't afraid to highlight I wasn't that. saying Paul Eleven was bad. <laughs> <laughs> he was involved in Paul Eleven after yeah. he'd done some things in Germany. During yeah, just the, a couple of wee things in Germany. During I the
2: 40s uh, late 30s. <laughs> yeah, so Werner von Braun. Uh, but it's Operation Paper, Paperclip, and the fact that they are given a, a very strong nod to that mm-hmm. in this film, because you're talking, obviously, 63, 64... But uh, uh, Operation Paperclip was just after World War II, so you're talking 45 46, to 47. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't know what Operation Paperclip is, go and read up a bit because it's mental. So what they did was the Americans took the the Nazis that they wanted. The best and brightest of their the bunch. The best and brightest scientists, um, any strategic engineers and any of that sort of stuff, took them all and they came and worked for the American government in an advisory capacity. Yep. Which, if you think about that, uh, in today's world, it's kind of the equivalent of taking people from ISIS and putting them onto the yep. advisory board of the president. It it's just yep. doesn't really make sense. Well, what they, they found what they was, was did.
3: some of the military uh, capabilities of Germany were vastly superior to any other country at the stage of its life. Uh-huh. And they took the best for them hid them for a few years, I believe. They were sort of brought, yeah, they were sort of f- brought into the the, the the lifeblood of the. They were just there one day, and people were like, "Why is there a German guy with the engineers?" And they were <laughs> like, "Oh, that's that's Fort Werner. <laughs> He's of, always been here." They
2: had a lot of holidays down in Argentina. You know
3: what I mean? Down just, South America enjoyed yeah, them. Hi, hiding out in the sunshine. There's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a heap of uh, strangely white. Uh, children apparently still about South America with a lot of there's German a,
2: blood on them. There's a full village, Baralosha. Bar- Bar- That's the name. Baralosha, something. B A R I L O C H E. Mm-hmm. And they That's even the made spot. them
3: put like the SS symbols in their house and all. Mm-hmm. So they knew they were there.
2: They knew, yeah. They, for uh, when they
3: went looking for them, they were like, Monitor Time to come up and do some engineering, boy.
2: Not even going to start about. <laughs> Don't even start <laughs> me because we'll get here all night. Uh, but this. Doctor Strangelove. I don't. Know, I'm not going to pronounce what the the guy said his his, his name was in German. No. Um. But it means Doctor Strangelove. Yeah, it does. It, it,
3: it means Doctor Strangelove.
2: But uh, this is Sellers' maybe greatest uh, performance.
3: I th- I I think so. Um, and I've seen some extraordinary things from him. He's done this, amazing stuff. But this is from just, start to finish. You, yeah, you're giggling. But the you have to I, watch. I, it. I have to wonder about the
2: uh, the people behind because.
3: Well, do you not see? Uh, the ambassador, when he starts hitting his arm because uh-huh. it's locked into the wheel of the chair, the <laughs> ambassador breaks and he's laughing. Oh, I didn't see him. I and he puts his again. head way down so it's just a shadow. <laughs> and he's ready to go. Like
2: <laughs> It must have been. Again, if you take context into it, they, they, they must never have seen anything like that before. No, no way in hell. I mean, this was just, a, a, he is so zany. And Entirely so improvised. And like
3: Kubrick just went, do whatever you want to do. And, and Sellers actually said, he, Kubrick was using the, the bulbs we were, we were talking about uh-huh. on the lights. He was using these black gloves to remove the bulbs and replace them. That's and get, right, yes. And Sellers said, why do you use them gloves? He said, like, oh, have to take the bulbs off. And he was, give me one of them gloves. And that's the ha- the that's glove the he hand. uses. And that's the, the hand that works separate so from the we'll, body. We'll play a
2: clip of him here. But a lot of visual obviously comes from the hand. Because yeah. the hand... Uh, as you said, the hand—the hand still believes. I say they're still occupied by the Nazis, still or it believes, <laughs> it believes that it is still, still a Nazi.
3: But the, the, when he first appears, you don't know anything about the hand because he's—he's no. just talking. But mm-hmm. it seems to be when he's getting more amped up, the hand is going mental. <laughs> so when he first appears, he's merely—he's got a cigarette in his mouth, and the hand grabs the cigarette. And you can see him wrestle a cigarette out with his other hand because he didn't want it to do that.
2: And a couple of times he does say Mein Fuhrer. He says
3: Mein Fuhrer to the president. To the of the, the United person. States.
1: Nuclear reactors could provide power almost indefinitely. Greenhouses could maintain plant life. Animals could be bred and slaughtered. <laughs> a quick survey would have to be made of all the available mine sites in the country. But I would guess... ...that a dwelling space for several hundred thousand of our people could easily be provided. Well, I'm, I would hate to have to decide who stays up and who goes down. Well, that would not be necessary, Mr. President. It could easily be accomplished with a computer. And the computer could be set and programmed to accept factors from youth... ...health, sexual fertility, intelligence, and a cross-section of necessary skills. Cause it would be absolutely vital that our top government and military men be included to foster and impart the required principles of leadership and tradition. <laughs> 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 Sorry,
2: it just does the hand just does a Nazi like <laughs> <laughs>
3: They also suggest there should be a ratio of 10 women. To every one, yes, man, ten, one, one man. A room surrounded and filled with men. Well, this this is his, sorry, we should, the context of this uh, speech is his
2: idea that we could save the population. If the yeah. world did go into a nuclear holocaust, they could get a couple hundred thousand people living in bunkers under the ground. Um, for and then repopulate theirs. Repopulate theirs from a the ratio of 10 to 1. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we would just have to get rid of that old monogamous type yeah, of, of that culture. Would be, <laughs> that would just be
3: the way, of, way just, in the world. Just be a load of bucking. Uh, Which so, would be a typically Nazi thing to think? Would, yeah, absolutely. Something but what I'm he's saying do. there in this context is, it'd be very easy to convince people to do that when <laughs> yeah. you're at that stage. Uh, so then we have, I mean, so Strange Love
2: then is uh, that is uh, probably uh, what well, is his final scene in this? But mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's such a, a, a moment within this um, to give the sort of the backdrop of where the thinking is and what, you know, a Holocaust actually entails because they've just found out, and this is the the whole way through what you just heard there of him speaking. Now, I when mean, you get a chance to watch this, you'll see the grin on his face mm-hmm. when he's talking the whole way through <laughs> that. Like, it's so scary. He is then, you know, he has let them know, or the Russian ambassador has let them know that there is a doomsday device, mm-hmm. which means that if anything comes to attack the Russians, something else will automatically be set off yeah
3: and and, and obliterate, obliterate basically everything. all life with a mushroom cloud that can expand through the whole yeah. earth
2: and so again then we lead on and to it this. can't be turned off it can't be turned off
3: it only turns itself <laughs> on with the threat yeah. you can't <laughs> top, stop it from <laughs> turning <laughs> itself on <Yeah. laughs>
2: uh, and then you have uh, so yeah you've got that thing and that's coming at them you know this is the threat so they, they managed to get the they managed to get the, the, the word to the planes to turn around Except for one.
3: Except one, which is R one. R one, and it's they thought they 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 allude to it twice. They even make up numbers of how many they shot down to make themselves look great. And then when they inform them, no, we've got every all thirty four planes are on their way back to the United States, and they were like, "Well, we lied about the fourth one we shot down. We didn't actually shoot down four. We shot down three, so they got it, and that's what kills their radio that they can't communicate. And nobody can tell them you have to stop. Yeah, so they
2: still. Yeah, so they're, they're on mission, their way still. Yeah. And they're ready for target and that's it uh and this is what i mean again back to the 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 era of the time i mean we don't really thankfully touch wood we don't really have a, a nuclear fear <laughs> uh, anymore Thank god is that but it? it's it over must have been god. crazy at that stage because well, they just committed world war ii they know yeah. what violence is going to lead to and they know how possible it is so the 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 this then to to show that all it took was one one guy on mental health issues, yep. which is ultimately what it was, yeah, suicide, absolutely. Um, was able to send this and and an irreversible, uh, and so then we lead leads us then to the ending, yeah, which again is you talked about it earlier on. So mm-hmm. the hundred takes,
3: <laughs> of, over a hundred takes, uh,
2: Slim Pickens riding a.
3: Basically, the mechanism to drop the bomb has also been shot and damaged.
2: Yes, and this Jim James Earl Jones in the middle of trying to get this. Yeah, yep. he's trying to get the doors to open, basically, to drop the bomb, and they would not. There's been a bit of malfunction. Mm. And so then uh, our, our our very own Easy's brother. Easy's <laughs> Pickering's uh, brother. <laughs> slum. Uh, he decides then to, to ride that bomb, too. He gets on the bomb and he jumps
3: on it and he rides it like a rodeo. <laughs> like a fucking rodeo. <laughs> But it is, uh is—it's one of the most iconic shots in film, mm-hmm. and it's probably one of the reasons why it took so many takes because Kubrick wanted to be fucking as bang on as you can get it. Yeah. Um uh, Now to say that that would be necessary in this day age, it wouldn't. No, because of digital effects and like, well,
2: that's yeah, I could do so much. But I mean, it definitely wouldn't
3: need a hundred takes. No, I don't think anything needs actually. Takes these it days, probably doesn't need hundred takes then. <laughs> yeah, more likely. But uh, I don't think anybody would have been involved in something that technical back then that many times. No. So.
2: Um so yes, uh, Doctor Strangelove. He or.
3: he alludes many times to how it's all of it's about sex. The whole film is mm-hmm. about men who have blue balls. That's <laughs> why everybody's so fucking weird Pempt and amped on up, up on the, all this. You that know, makes, it makes a lot of sense, actually. From the phallic symbols of guitar <laughs> or cigars and missiles through the ever present linguistic association of bombing Russia with the act of coitus, <laughs> to the fantastic open sequence of two planes merging for feudal. That's right. <laughs> so ah, you're I going about that, uh, so yeah. to that. There's also a weird thing. There's two stories I have to tell you. Sterling Hayden, who mm-hmm. plays Ripper, he was thought of like as the bo- the blonde bimbo of Hollywood. He did a few films and then he would take the money and go and live on his boat. Right. He'd fall. Good lad. And then he would come back. He's in The Godfather. He's in mm-hmm. this. He's mm-hmm. in The in. He despised Hollywood and he'd already worked with Kubrick on The Killing. He was one of the guys who spoke at the House of Un-American Activities Committee hearings. Oh. And he had... Briefly, being a uh, part of the communist meetings, right? He named names. He's won oh, he's one of them boys. Oh, he regretted it immediately. And there is a documentary online about him on his boat, like <sighs> two French, I think, crew. They go onto the boat, and he's just a fucking mess at that stage of his right. life. Like, so his character Ripper, right? Obviously, we mentioned Jack D. Ripper, mm-hmm. which is an obvious reference to Jack the Ripper. Yeah, a less obvious allusion slipped into the script is within General Ripper's order to Colonel Mandrick. Transmit plan R, R for Robert. Yes. That's not the phonetic alphabet. I, I was... <laughs> right? Because they say it two more times in the film, R for Romeo. Yeah. The name Robert alludes to Robert Mann, who was a morgue attendant who worked at the Whitechapel Morgue, the morgue at which all five victims of Jack the Ripper ended up at. No way. Robert Mann was initially thought of as a helpful assistant to the police during an investigation into Jack the Ripper's murders, but he is now the most well-known suspect after, in 1989, the FBI profile named Robert Mann.
0: Get the so it
3: is very likely that that wee Easter egg that Kubrick put in... Now, this is 1963. There's no way he could have known this. No. The wee Easter egg is layered in and proven factually correct (laughs) 20 plus years later. So it's likely that this man was Jack the Ripper. Holy Jesus. Well there you are. Kubrick.
2: On that note. Some
3: fucking boy he will. There's not more to
2: say except for We
4: meet again Don't know where Don't know where But I know